I knew in the back of my mind that he was kind of the, uh, the big selling point of that night. I remember, um, you know, reading USA Today, uh, you know, and, and all that. And they were, you know, all, all the focus was on him and the E Street Band. And, and I, I already knew he was a, a legend and um, considered a great songwriter and everything. But I just, I never really gave him the time of day for whatever reason. So I watched that induction ceremony and, um, you know, he and the band came up. And the thing that jumped out for me was 10th Avenue Freeze Out, which I either had heard and, and didn't really notice it or, or I'd never heard before and um, I was like man that 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 song is really great and that was my big takeaway from Bruce that night so I went and bought Born to Run um, and obviously the version of 10th Avenue Freeze Out on Born to Run and the live versions are, are very different so um, I still like the song but I was a little disappointed I didn't have that that same like oomph or whatever it was a little more uh, uh, you know sedate and, and whatnot so I still liked it. I, I kind of played around with Born to Run a little bit and, um, you know, I thought it was good. And I remember everybody thinking or saying the Thunder Road was a great song and Backstreets and Jungle Land. And, um, you know, I liked all those. But again, it didn't it didn't really truly grab me. Um, a couple of years later, I remember coming home from work and I was kind of beat and tired and I was probably 21 or so. And I was just like, you know, kind of in that phase of life where I was going to school and working and didn't have a lot of money and it's probably fighting with a girlfriend or something at the time. And I, I came home and I, I just kind of put my feet up and, and turned on the TV and um, it was cute to HBO and the live in New York special was on and he was uh, coming to the close of out in the street. And I was like, wow, this is a really good performance. And, you know, he's killing it. And then the next song of course is and they have new freeze out. And so not only do I know and like the song and especially in its live incarnation and um but then that performance is you know I, I still think it's completely mind-blowing you know to this day and and so I'm sitting there watching that and it's just kind of like you know holy Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me today is a new friend we met online, Ron David. Ron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I love it. And also, I should say, uh, I just realized this this morning when I got some memories on my phone, but this is the uh, one-year anniversary of Letter to You, so we're doing this on Letter to You's birthday, I guess. Wow, I had not connected that yet, so yeah, that's very nice. We've been able to have that for a year, uh, which is, you know, um, I I think in context of, you know, everything that was going on, I I think I'll always have a special place in my heart, letter to you, because of the context when it was released and the surprising of it. So absolutely. What what do you think? Um, I I think it was, uh, first of all, just to have it during the pandemic was great. Um, You know, I I didn't know we were going to get anything from Bruce and uh, it was was great to have that. And it, you know, probably helped a lot of us. uh, I don't want to you know, be so hyperbolic, say it got, got us through it. Although I'm sure there's people who that that's true for, but um, just having, you know, that to look forward to a new music and, and something to do and, uh, you know, watch all the, uh, the YouTube videos that came out of that and the movie that they did for Apple TV and everything um, that, that really 
you know, made things a little easier and, and better, um, at least if you're a, if you're a Bruce fan. So Yeah, there was a lot of press with that <laughs> album. Um, yeah. And it was kind of nice to see like that, uh, the guy who ended up doing an interview. Um, I forgot his name now, but there was like an hour interview that was on YouTube that was a really interesting interview from Bruce. So yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember that. And and all the Western Stars stuff too, it kind of came on the heels of that. So we yeah. really had a couple years of uh, just a lot of great stuff. And you know, not just the albums themselves, but uh, Bruce has really gotten into this whole, uh, you know, making little movies and um, they, they've been releasing more uh, standalone videos, even if they're kind of the, you know, just chopped out of the movies and everything. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a great couple of years. It's been a great couple of decades. I mean, I, I, I was kind of young in the 90s, so I didn't have to deal with some of the stuff that some of the fans went through when he really wasn't doing much. But mm-hmm. when I kind of jumped on board, he's just been, you know, hitting it every year or every other year and, you know, tons of albums, tons of tours. And it's it's been a great time to be a, a Springsteen fan. So. I could not agree more, Ron. I totally agree. Well, let's tell us a little about yourself. Um, not a whole lot to tell. My, my life is pretty uneventful. Uh, you know, middle-class guy, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, so it's, uh, it's just, you know, kind of is what it is day to day. Um, but the one thing that I guess sets me apart from some people is I have triplets, which has sort of become my defining, uh, <laughs> you know, characteristic amongst uh, family and friends and everything. So that's the, the one special or, or kind of different thing I have going for me. Um, in addition to a first one. So uh, the, the triplets were supposed to be number two. We were going to stop there. And uh, turns out uh, we got three more. Um, but the oldest is, they're all they're all pretty big Bruce fans, frankly, but um, uh, via me. But the oldest is, is really into them. She's been to uh, one show already at, at about seven years old. And I'm hoping to get her to another one. Um, but yeah, so I'm just, I'm a, a music buff, a movie buff. Uh, those are kind of my two main passions. I try to dabble a little bit. I, I play a, a little bad guitar and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But um, for the most part, it's it's my, my overall, my overriding hobby is uh, is music and, and movies. And, and certainly Bruce is at the top of both of those lists. So. What, uh, how old are your triplets? Uh, they are about 10 and a half or so. And okay. the oldest, just she's turning 12 next week. So they're about... 18 months apart and uh, you know at, at one point we had four kids all in diapers and uh, you know yeah that's a lot crazy so uh, yeah. but wait well, yeah exactly but now it's just it's just life so uh, yeah you know, we're used to it now but. yeah we uh my my wife's brother uh ralph and robin had four kids and okay. the beauty of that um was you know, if, if they came, it was immediately a party. I mean, yeah. just, just cause you know, you all of a sudden you've got this extra bodies and going on in my, uh, right. you know, and um, so Chris had the four cousins, which was great on, you know, on my uh, wife's side. So yeah, I can imagine that's cool. Yeah. And you know, everything is, is times four. So whatever yeah. something costs or whatever you have to figure out how to get people places and um you know it was worse when they were younger now they can kind of do a little bit more of their own things but i also imagine as uh, high school and stuff like that hits and we start talking about driving and college and uh, yeah. weddings and whatever it's gonna be yeah. uh, pretty unbearable so yeah class rings to, you know three times cool. right <laughs> class rings yeah it's things like that yeah exactly um so let's always like to start at the beginning so ron talk to me about where you grew up and what kind of music did your family listen to? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I, I've always been in Wisconsin. Um, uh, never lived anywhere else, although I, I don't know why, because I hate the weather here and I'm definitely a guy who, uh, you know, would do better on a, on a beach somewhere, but, um, you know, family and, and everything just kind of keeps you where you're at. And, um, when I was younger, uh, there was always music around. My mom was big into it. And I guess my dad was too, although my parents are divorced and they were divorced at a, a pretty young age, young age for me, um, maybe like three or something. So I primarily grew up with my mom and um, she was pretty much a top 40 uh, type, you know, so when I was maybe four years old and, and Thriller and uh, Michael Jackson, you know, took over the world and everything that was that was my world. I, I listened to that Thriller album just over and over and over, day after day. And you know, we we'd listen to it, and, and then we'd get in the car and turn on the radio, and you know, one track from it was on and ending, and we'd go, "Oh, we missed it," and then we'd stick the tape in and you know, listen to it all over again. So, um, you know, and, and everything from that era, Purple Rain and uh, Huey Lewis and Culture Club and Lionel Richie and everything. Somehow, Bruce never kind of really figured into that conversation. And I don't know if it's because my mom wasn't a fan. Um, I was certainly aware of, you know, Born in the USA and Dancing in the Dark and Glory Days, but those also could have been, uh, you know, Cherry Bomb and like a rock or something. You know, I, I didn't I didn't know, you know, Bruce necessarily from Mellencamp or, or how to kind of separate some of those guys. So, um, you know, I, I grew up kind of listening to that pop music and I, I sort of, you know, sort of diverge in, uh, you know, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I, I kind of got into Tom Petty and Billy Joel and, and some of those guys and still Bruce kind of eluded me. Um, and I just, I don't know if he just didn't get a lot of radio play in my town or, or what the deal was. I, I didn't, I don't remember really seeing him on MTV much. Um, so, you know, for one reason or another, I, th that was kind of the stuff I listened to at, a, at an early age. But, um, you know, if you, if you look at that stuff, you know, Tom Petty, Billy Joel, all that, Bruce is obviously right in that wheelhouse. And um, it was just a matter of time before I finally, uh, you know, kind of got on that wavelength. So, so um, Ron, can you remember when you first kind of discovered Bruce and what about his music spoke to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like I said, I, I was always aware of him, and I always liked some of those songs. I never owned any albums or anything like that. I remember um, I came across the Born in the USA tape uh, at like an aunt's house or something, well into the the CD age, and I just I took it because you know I knew she wasn't listening to tapes anymore, and <laughs> I just said that would be nice to have for for my collection. I still did play tapes because my first car uh, was an was an old you know, hand me down and all I had was a tape deck. So I was always happy to grab some cheap tapes. And I started listening to that. Um, again, it didn't, didn't make a huge impression because I was already kind of familiar with some of those songs. But the, the real sort of watershed moment that I remember was Billy Joel was getting inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And um, like I said, I was a big Billy Joel fan. In high school, all my friends were listening to Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all this stuff. And I never, you know, quite got into that. I was listening to, you know, Billy Joel and stuff that I kind of grew up with. Um, and he was the guy who wrote, you know, stuff that sort of speak to me. And, that, you know, I, I always kind of found a lot of wisdom in some of his words, uh, particularly the later albums, which a lot of people, you know, kind of disregard. And they talk about his 70s stuff. But I like yeah. his uh, 80s and 90s stuff. But anyway, so he was going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And also that year was uh, Paul McCartney and Bruce Springsteen. And so I watched the um, induction ceremony on VH1. Um, and, you know, Billy performed. And then Bruce... Uh, had a very long introduction by Bono that most everybody probably kind of remembers. And then Bruce came up and gave a very long introduction. And 
I knew in the back of my mind that he was kind of the, uh, the big selling point of that night. I remember, um, you know, reading USA Today, uh, you know, and, and all that. And they were, you know, all, all the focus was on him and the E Street Band. And, and I, I already knew he was a, a legend and um, considered a great songwriter and everything. But I just, I never really gave him the time of day for whatever reason. So I watched that induction ceremony and, um, you know, he and the band came up. And the thing that jumped out for me was 10th Avenue Freeze Out, which I either had heard and, and didn't really notice it or, or I'd never heard before and um, I was like man that 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 song is really great and that was my big takeaway from Bruce that night so I went and bought Born to Run um, and obviously the version of 10th Avenue Freeze Out on Born to Run and the live versions are, are very different so um, I still like the song but I was a little disappointed I didn't have that that same like oomph or whatever it was a little more uh, uh, you know sedate and, and whatnot so uh I still liked it. I, I kind of played around with Born to Run a little bit and, um, you know, I thought it was good. And I remember everybody thinking or saying that Thunder Road was a great song and Backstreets and Jungle Land. And, um, you know, I liked all those. But again, it didn't it didn't really truly grab me. Um, a couple of years later, I remember coming home from work and I was kind of beat and tired and I was probably 21 or so. And I was just like, you know, kind of in that phase of life where I was going to school and working and didn't have a lot of money and it's probably fighting with a girlfriend or something at the time and I, I came home and I, I just kind of put my feet up and, and turned on the tv and um it was cute to hbo and the live in new york special was on and he was uh coming to the close of out in the street and i was like okay. wow this is a really good performance and you know he's killing it and then the next song of course is and they have new freeze out and so not only do I know and like the song and especially in its live incarnation and um but then that performance is you know I, I still think it's completely mind-blowing you know to this day and and so I'm sitting there watching that and it's just kind of like you know holy shit I don't know if I can say that sorry I'm not sure what, what your rating is on the show but uh but yeah so I I was like um and I watched it through the rest of that uh show and I think on on that particular edit you know it goes 10th Avenue Freeze Out, Born to Run, and then I think Land of Hope and Dreams and American Skin and Ends. Um, it doesn't have all the stuff that DVD has. And it's, you know, so it was pretty much towards the end of the show. But I remember, um, you know, waiting for it to come back on again. This was before DVR and all that. So I had to right. catch the going and watch it again. I remember my girlfriend at the time, I told her to uh, you know, get me the DVD for, for Christmas or my birthday or whatever. And I just, I remember just watching it and devouring that performance so when people say yeah you know you have to see him live and that's the thing that's truly life-changing and kind of galvanizes you into being a fan that is 100 true and i missed the first half of that uh, show initially so when i finally did get to go back and watch it i mean you know atlantic city and uh youngstown and murder incorporated and, and you know some of that that stuff that was just like um I, at that moment, I was like, I don't know how I let this get by me for so long. And maybe it's just the right time in my life, too. Like I said, you know, given the age that I was at and, um, you know, I, I kind of felt like a, a character in a lot of his songs at that point. Um, so, uh, you know, Promised Land, get up every morning, go to work each day. And then all the rest of the, the stuff that follows there, I, I could 100 percent relate to all of that um, and still can, frankly. And um, that was that was kind of the thing that, that got me there. So when people kind of rag on that release as maybe not being as as uh, good as it should have been um i'll just say that there's <laughs> people like me out there who it was it was definitely good enough so you know and i i think that's to remember grace and remember fandom is that you know different people have different perspectives and you know like devils and dust was the first 
album that came out after I had seen him live for the first time. I'd gone to the Rising tour. Yeah. Devils and Dust came out. I saw it, and then I got to go to the show and hear him do those songs. So I agree, Devils and Dust may not be like you know most people's top five, but it's really special to me because I had that experience of oh my goodness, I listened to Silver Palmino, Jesus right. was an only son, and now I'm hearing it live. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat. I love Devils and Dust. That that tour uh, is one of my favorites. Um, I I don't like to say I'd rather have another one of those than an E Street Band tour, but I mean, uh, kind of before the pandemic and before he you know started kind of getting a little bit older and and whatnot. I was I was saying I wanted more of that. You know, we had so many E Street Band tours in a row. Um, and I, I just love the Devils and Dust tour so much that I was always kind of hoping it went back and did that. Or, you know, with Broadway, I was kind of hoping maybe that would go on the road or something. Something, you know, a little more intimate, stripped back and, right. and you know, stuff that's not just the, the hits and um, you don't have the bombastic crowds and, and all that. Um, I don't know if we maybe missed the boat on that. Although if he, he soldiers on and, and can't do the, the big rock shows anymore, maybe we'll get some of that in his, uh, in his 80s or, you know. I yeah, know. exactly. Because he doesn't seem to be slowing down. No. Uh, that, but you're right what you said about you know it's it just depends on you know when you kind of discover this and what speaks to you um yeah and you know music fans are fickle nowadays too i notice this particularly with devils and dust is a perfect example i you know i i listen to it the first time a couple times through and, and i do this with everything I, I i buy it i listen to it all the way through there's usually maybe you know five songs half the album if, if i'm lucky that that jump out right away and i just kind of listen to those over and over again and then i'll go back and you know maybe re-listen to some of the other stuff i, I thought wasn't as good um, I don't think people give albums that much time and attention nowadays. Um, and, and when I say nowadays, I mean, even, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, I think, right. uh, you know, they, they listen to it once. If it doesn't grab them right away, they, they kind of throw it out. Um, maybe they listen to it before they go to the tour and then they forget about it, you know, after that. So, um, and, and the same thing happened with, uh, Western stars. I saw a lot of kind of negative, um, you know, not, not necessarily from diehard fans, but casual fans on, on Twitter and whatnot are like, Oh, what a, want to snore and I'm like no man just listen to it more and more and I'm like okay well and, and who knows if that guy ever did and uh, yeah who knows if they ever got it you know it's it's unfortunate that if it's not just born to run or born in the USA over and over again that people kind of tend to throw that stuff to the wayside so yeah I, I totally agree Ron and there are albums like I hear people talk about how much they love the Seeger sessions yeah. and that was just not one that that spoke to me i don't dislike it it's just right. you know and partly maybe because um a lot of these songs um i had sung in elementary choir and music classes and my dad had played them and they were a different style than what i had first heard you know and so anyway for whatever reason now then when the live in dublin came out I went, oh my goodness, why did I miss the show? Look at this. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. And so I, I will yeah. say, I agree. It's not, you know, an album I play a lot of his, although I, I ironically just had it on uh, last weekend for whatever reason. It's, it's a fun album to put on a turntable if you still have vinyl. The way it's separated, you can listen to it in, uh, in smaller increments or, or whatever. I think as a whole, it's not something I put on and listen to all 13 songs or whatever. But the tour, as as often happens with Bruce, same with Devils and Dust, the tour is the thing that really brought me around on that because, man, that that show was a, was a barn burner. And um, I that's the first time I did The Pit and the first time I 
and that whole experience and it, it actually <laughs> funny story not to get off on a tangent but i, I we my... love tangents ron okay so go for it. <laughs> all right good i'm good for them so so strap in i guess but uh, i um went to that show and i i didn't really know anything about the my first tour too was the rising like you said so i um that's the first time i did that i didn't know anything about the pit i wasn't really into the um the chatter on uh, you know backstreets or springsteen.net back when that was a thing and when people were talking there um you know I, i'd look at that stuff but I, I didn't know anything about how how bruce did his concert so i saw two shows on the rising tour both of them i was like man how does people get down front where there are no seats and blah 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 and i found out afterwards about the whole whole pit lottery thing um so obviously that wasn't an issue when devils and dust came around but then when they did the seeger sessions they they did that again and I said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go for it this time. And I, so first time doing the lottery, we we go for the through the whole rigmarole, and then it comes time to draw the number. Um, and for people who don't know, they they give you wristbands ahead of time, and then you they do a drawing, and they line you up based on where you are in relation to the number that was drawn and the number in your wristband. So um, I pull the the number out. The guy the guy we we're sitting right in front. He says, uh, you know, go ahead, guy, you can you can pull the number. And I said, oh, cool. So I do it and I'm, I read it off and I don't remember what it says. And, and everybody's kind of standing around looking at each other like, well, that's not me. And, and that's not me. No one has this number. And I looked down at my own wristband and I grabbed my own <laughs> number. So uh, me and my girlfriend at the time were uh, numbers one and two through that door, uh, you know, elbows on the stage. And, uh, you know, he comes out and, and I don't know if you kind of remember how that, that tour started, but it, it's very just like the whole band kind of runs on the stage and Bruce has got like, he, he played his guitar very funny on it. Like he's got like one leg up in the air and yes. you know, all that. And it was just, it was such a um, fun thing to be right in front of him and doing that. So that, that show and that tour um, definitely made the secret sessions worthy for me, even if, uh, you know, I don't listen to that stuff a lot. So, you know, what's funny is right. I'm sure they were like, well, what are the odds that the yeah. guy picking the number gets his own? Everybody in line thought I cheated and was yeah. Like, you're like, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not pin and teller. This wasn't a force. I don't know. Yeah, that is yeah. that is that's a great story. Yeah, um, it never happened again, and I, yeah. I don't. I'm not one of those guys who gets in the pit every single time either. So uh, don't <laughs> don't yeah. take too much away from it. But but that made that show uh, super super exciting. And yeah. Special, so. so Ron, I always like to preface this with. The amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. But right. just for the record, have you counted the number of shows? And if so, how many? Yeah, you know, I, I hear you ask this question. I've been trying to like think about it from, you know, I, I've got all the stubs somewhere and uh, I don't know, but I didn't go back and count. I, I would say 30 plus is a fair, fair estimate. Um, I, I don't travel a lot. See, I know some people go all over the place. I'm in the Midwest. Um, so when he comes here, he'll typically do two nights in every city kind of around me. So Milwaukee will get two, not always back to back, but he'll come back like a year later or something. Um, and I'll go to Chicago for two nights in a row and then up to Minneapolis for two nights. Um, my grandparents have a place in Florida. So we've often planned a trip to see them when, uh, you know, he was playing there and we catch two nights wherever. So just based on how prolific he's been over the last 20 years since I became a fan, I've been able to catch you know six seven shows per tour um and i don't know if i did that for every single tour but you know if you just sort of exacerbate that out that yeah. it equals about 30 shows. So. so as i mentioned other times my boss time is the website that um is does a really good job of it lists every 
show on every tour and it's free to create an account and you can go through and go, well, yes, I would have done this and this and it will track it for you. And it gives you a little extra things of what's your most rare songs that you've heard, what are your most common songs and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Uh, I I am on there. I just, again, didn't go back to uh, to the the homework, I guess. But but yeah, um, 30s Fair and uh, then I also... You know, there's little one-off things like Broadway and, and that sort of thing that I. I you did get to go see Broadway. The second run, yeah. My um, my girlfriend was kind enough to uh, surprise me with that trip. I, I wasn't planning on going. We were talking about uh, how it'd be cool, but you know, realistically, spending money and, and, and traveling and, and all that. Um, but yeah, we got a nice little uh, you know five-day vacation in New York and, and got to nice. see that show. And um, you know, I'd already seen a Netflix special. And I just sort of resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to see it, but. Uh, you know, who knew he was going to come back and do that again. And, uh, you know, I have somebody who was so great as to <laughs> surprise me with that. So, Oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah. Amazing. And it, it was an awesome experience and, and a lovely night. And I know people like to compare the two and obviously the one you're at is always going to, you know, hold sure. a special place or whatever. Um, I do agree. They, they were different in um, ways, small and, and large, but uh, not enough to, make me you know say that one was worse or anything like that yeah i am hoping there's rumors right that they're going to somehow share the the revamp show with fans somehow and i you know i you know i I can understand why they may not want to do another netflix special or something but it would be nice to see this new version uh i've heard enough about it but to hear the two or three new songs and to hear the other stories i think would be funny and so fire fire with patty is great uh you know everybody should get a chance to hear that if you're only familiar with uh you know brilliant disguise and tougher than the rest i know some people prefer brilliant disguise stayed there but um that's not nearly as much fun as what they did with so it's just a different thing to see them uh doing that and uh you know some of the updated stuff about the the pandemic and his little run-in with the the supposed DUI thing and, and yeah. the updates on his mom and you know all that stuff just just makes it a special time capsule if nothing else and it, and it was a it was worth updating for those reasons alone. I was a little disappointed. I was thinking maybe instead of you know my father's house, you do Independence Day or something, and uh, yeah. you know maybe instead of uh, tougher, they they pick another duet, maybe Tunnel Love or whatever. I don't know, but. Um, Disappointed is the wrong word. I just thought yeah. maybe would, you know, try to make it a little different. But at the same time, you know, for people who didn't see it the first time around, I guess it's uh, it would be disappointing if it was a completely different show. Yes. And then you have all the uh, the people who saw it the first time around also competing for, you know, tickets to see yes, exactly. something completely different. So maybe it's a good thing he just left it. The way yeah, did. absolutely, Ron. Uh, so other shows, um, other stories about shows you want to share? Uh, yeah, I got a couple of good ones. The best one, uh, like I said, I, I got my um, daughter to see him on the river tour in 2016. So let's see, she's pushing 12 now. She'd have been seven when that, that happened. So pretty young. She did the whole, um, you know, uh, pit rigmarole with us and everything. And she was a trooper through a long, cold day. This was in, in March in Milwaukee. So uh, snow and cold and, and all that. And she did great. We didn't make the pit. But um, the thing about her is uh, when he came here in 2009, she had just been born. And I bought uh, tickets for a show that was on her due date or, or my wife's due date. Um, and I was like, ah, you know, this, this seems like a really 
really bad move, you know, as a, as a father and a husband, you know, who does this. And, but sure. my, my gut was kind of telling me that, um, you know, what are the chances that anybody's ever born on the day they're due? It's always, you know, right. two weeks premature or two weeks after or, or whatever. So it's worth doing worst case scenario. I will sell these tickets or, or eat the cost or whatever. So she was born two weeks earlier. Um, and then, you know, the, the show kind of rolled around and I was talking to my wife. I'm like, do you, do you want to go? And she's just like, uh, you know, I'm just not feeling up to it. You know, you go. And I said, all right, you know, I'll go by myself. And, you know, maybe if I, if I don't hit the pit or something, I'll just buy a cheap, you know, nosebleed seat or, or something, trade it to somebody, whatever. Um, but I decided to make two signs uh, for that show. And it's the first time I did this because he, he started on the Magic Tour. I didn't do any of that on the Magic Tour and uh, working on the right. Tour in 2009. Uh, you know, the signs were a big deal. So. I made one for uh, Adam Reyes to Kane because um, I just I think that song cooks live and I've never been able to see it live. Um, and in Milwaukee, I, I did a little research and found out he hadn't played that song in 30 plus years. It goes back to the, the early to mid 70s. I forget what year, but um, and so my sign said something like, do you know that you haven't played Adam Reyes to Kane here in 30 years? Like, correct that tonight, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so and then I made a second one for Living Proof. Um, just, just for the daughter, I, I put a picture of her in her onesie that said future boss fan on it. And I said, you know, two weeks ago tonight, I, I've seen Living Proof. And so I brought him both to the show. Um, so he did the sign collection. I, I put up Adam Raise the Kings. I thought I had a better chance at that. So I, I, he grabbed it, took it back. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he looked at it or not, but he looked at them all and then, uh, you know, played whichever songs he was going to play that night. And that wasn't one of them, unfortunately. Um, so then, you know, towards the end of the show, the encores, he's kind of standing there taking his bows and, um, end of the first set, not the end of the show, but, um, he's, he's taking his bows. And so I decide just since he's looking at us, let me throw up the, the living proof sign and see what happens. And he sees it and he kind of puts his hand to his eye. Like he's looking, you know, a far distance to see what it says. And you see him kind of like shuffling around and he says, he kind of throws his hands up and walks over and he grabs it. And I was like, well, here we, here we go. And, um, but they didn't know it at all. And uh, this video is on YouTube and, and people who have you know, seen this performance kind of know what happened after that, but the band has to work it up, you know, on the fly and um, they do a great job. You know, the, Max doesn't know it at the start, you know, Bruce is trying to tell him how to, how to play it. He's like, it's just, it's just the foot. And, you know, Max is yeah. trying to play the tunnel of love intro or something. So it's, it, it was a, it was a funny moment, but they, you know, they got it together and then, um, you know, and then he came back at the end of the song and he, he handed me the sign back and shook my hand and uh, that whole thing. So the sign is, it's kind of defaced because of sweat or whatever kind of ran the marker ink all down on it. But uh, he gave it back and um, I, I framed it and hung it in her bedroom. And, you know, again, she was two weeks old, so it didn't mean anything to her. But, um, you know, it still it still hangs on the wall to, to this day. And like I said, I got a handshake out of it and a bunch of cool pictures that I found online of people who were able to get them because I, I certainly was just wrapped up in this moment sure. of what the hell is going on right now. So, and, and then right after that, he goes into Kitty's Back, which is a song I've kind of been chasing too. And I was so like bowled over and texting my wife about what just happened and you know, whatever, I, I pretty much missed Kitty's Back. So oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but, um, but the other, you know, kind of cool thing about that is none of that would have happened if there wasn't this weird uh, course of events. I mean, I, I my wife was supposed to go. We were going to just sit in the seats somewhere. And she kind of said no. And then, um, you know, I, I made the pit and, and, you know, just, just all this stuff had to happen in order for that to kind of, kind of shake out. And, um, you know, I look back on that and I'm just like, you know, everything kind of obviously happened the way it was supposed to, to have that really cool moment. So uh, that, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Um, did do and what year was that? Two thousand nine, uh, November. Okay. okay. So was Good. At the, would have been the Bradley Center at the time in Milwaukee. I'll try to find that on YouTube and include that link in the show, just because that sounds like a great thing. Um, yeah, there's a good one out there from uh, I forget the guy's name, Black Dog Studios or mm -hmm. something. But the and, and he sent me a DVD of it. But the problem with that guy is stuff, and he does great work, but um, he kind of chops up the show so this the whole beforehand part of uh you know the, the sign going up and all that yeah. you gotta go find a uh, crummy youtube video of somebody in the, okay. <laughs> the nosebleeds but it's out there um okay. but you know his the the best video kind of cuts out the whole opening and just goes right into the song so okay very nice um that's a hard one to top but do you have any other stories you want to share Cause that's the, I would lead with that one. That is. A yeah. Great yeah. Story. That's, that's the best one, especially the fact that I got the sign back. And uh, you yeah, know, like I said, as, as my daughter aged, she's, she's become a, a Springsteen fan. She finally got to go to the show. And then when we went to the next show. I, I put a little sign together for her to hold that said something like, um, you know, remember this, this was, uh, you know, seven years ago or something. And, and, uh, oh, at the end of the song, he when he's holding the sign, he says, uh, we have here a future boss fan. I hope by the time she gets to the show, I'm not dead. Um, everybody laughed and go and uh, uh, so on the, the sign that we took to the, the river tour with her said uh, you said uh, you hope by the time she gets to the show you're not dead and I was like well you, you both made it you know <laughs> and, and so he we didn't make the pit that night so that just wasn't meant to be but he did walk around we were on the rail of the uh, back section and he walked around during Hungry Heart or whatever song it was and um, you know she was standing there holding the sign and he took a look at it and kind of tousled her hair and, and all that so oh that's nice he did, and yeah he saw her and stuff but he didn't like you know pull the sign up on stage and do anything, you know, crazy or, or memorable with it. But yep. um, yeah, she got that little moment of him, uh, you know, reaching out and touching her and all that. So that's great. Yeah. That's really great. Um, um, in terms of other stories, I, yeah, the, the rest of it's just been, you know, I've had some good luck with, uh, you know, pit stuff and then being yeah. elbows on the stage. I've seen some great songs I never thought I'd see as in uh, Minneapolis and got stolen car and, uh, you know, this depression and, um, you know, stuff like that. I've, I've been fortunate enough to get loose ends a bunch. Um, you know, stuff that, that people talk about that they really want. So I feel fortunate in that way. Um, there's still a bunch I'm, I'm sure I'm chasing that uh, I don't know that I'll ever see. Like Adam raised a cane, for example. <laughs> but, okay. uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. So I'm, I'm fortunate and, and grateful for what I've gotten. Good. Well, I'm going to pivot for a moment. This wasn't on our agenda, but you mentioned loving movies. Um, is there... Is there any specific genres or films that that you that drive this love? Yeah, yeah. It's it's another thing that sort of happened um, thanks to my mom. You know, as I was growing up. Um, well, it, it probably goes back to my grandparents. You know, they were always watching movies. My grandma was a huge movie buff. They're always renting stuff to come over there, and I saw probably a bunch of stuff I wasn't you know probably supposed to see at a, at a young age just because of it. Um, and I remember uh, when Lethal Weapon came out of all things. So this is like 87. I was less than 10 years old. I was born December of 78. So we're talking probably eight at the time this movie came out. Um, and I just, I, I saw the, the trailers. I just really wanted to see it. I think I liked cop movies and action movies. I mean, obviously I'm an eight year old boy, you know, people shooting at each other is, is cool. And um, that one, for some reason, I really wanted to see it. My mom's like, no, no, it's rated R. You're eight years old. You're not going to go see that. And I think, I think she had gone to see it or something and told me, you know, it was good. And that only made me want to see it more. And um, so finally we had a kind of a budget theater by our house. So late into that movie's run, it's at the budget. She's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take you to see it. But 
you know, you're going to cover your eyes, all the, you know, scary stuff or gross stuff or whatever. And, um, and I, I ended up just loving it. I mean, it, it was like everything I wanted it to be. Um, and then and when she saw I could handle it, you know, the gloves were off. So next, you know, it's, it's a diehard and predator and Robocop and just, you know, and, and into the nineties with, you know, even stuff like, um, you know, Steven Seagal movies or whatever. My, my mom really became my, uh, you know, kind of movie buddy with this stuff, you know, if a cool, action movie came out we either go see it together or we you know rent it at my grandparents house and always watch it together and i i think some of that you know just that that family camaraderie and being able to like do those things with uh, with your mom or, or grandparents is probably what made it kind of stick um and then yeah just loving the action genre i still will hold up lethal weapon and die hard as you know my my favorite movies and um you know that that's pure nostalgia like obviously i know they're not the best movies of all time but uh you know, my favorite actor is Clint Eastwood. He's, he's probably my, my Bruce in, in movie world. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I just love it all. I've, I've kind of fallen out of it a little bit lately. There's just too much, you know, between Netflix and all these different streaming services. It's, it's hard to keep up with it. And it's stuff I just feel like isn't as good. And I don't know if that's just me getting older and becoming the, the person who thinks nothing is as good as it was when you're a kid. But, uh, yeah, it's not maybe not as much of a passion as it used to be. I used to pour over entertainment weekly and i was looking at box office numbers before anybody even cared about that you know i remember being like 10 years old waiting for to see what the number one movie was you know last week you had to wait for a magazine or a paper to see that but yeah i just i really loved all that stuff and i i worked in a video store in high school and just used to hang out at them even when i was a kid and annoy the uh the tellers and, and everything there and um you know just wait for certain movies to be returned when they were sold out and it was just really something that i and i had a couple friends who were into it too so it, again it was another thing where you could kind of relate to somebody else and uh, you all have a similar passion and uh, interest in something and um, yeah for for a long time that was my my thing so i really i really enjoyed trouble with the curve and the yeah. mule i was surprised how much i liked the mule i was yeah, it ended up being really good. J. Michael Stravinsky is one of my favorite uh, writers, and he had written Changeling that Eastwood okay. directed, yeah. right? And very underrated was, movie. I love yeah, that one. It, I agree. It is a <laughs> very interesting movie. So, yeah, that's great. Um, so you mentioned that you've you've kind of thought about getting into podcasting. Talk to me a little bit about that. What what are you what are you thinking about doing? Yeah, well, I don't know if I've thought about getting into it so much as I, you know, I'll have these long-winded conversations, whether it be on Twitter or, uh, you know, with, with friends just sitting in a bar or something. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm always just like, we should we should just do a podcast yes. or you know, do the Siskel Niebuhr thing and, you know, let people hear us. But, uh, you know, those are a dime a dozen. And it's, right. it's hard to justify the time and effort and work that that might take. And also, do I have something different to say or a different... Yeah. Am I engaging enough? Uh, you know, or is me and the guy who I do it with gonna, you know, just be off-putting jerks when we sit there and just, you know, uh, you know, yell at each other the whole time? Um, you know, what's the gimmick? There's a there's a great one out there called uh, Thirty Years Later, and it's these two guys who are, are watching movies that came out, you know, this week, thirty years ago. So we're talking uh, early '90s, and and that's a time frame I love. Like I said, those are my kind of formative years coming up, and even a lot of junk from that time. I, I watched over and over and over again just because it's just what you did when you're you know 12 years old or whatever um but they're they're a little bit younger than me and they don't have the uh, sort of nostalgia for it i guess and they're they're seeing a lot of this stuff for the first time and so they end up just being like well what a, what a dumb weird you know kind of like dumping on it and um 
I feel like, man, I, I missed the boat on that. That'd be a really great thing for uh, somebody who kind of, you know, maybe lived through it a little more or, or has more of an affection for these movies to kind of go back and watch and see, you know, if they, how they changed, if they changed, uh, if they still like them, uh, you know, but, but to those guys credit, they do a good job of uh, kind of putting it in, in a current context of, you know, here's the things we've grown out of and, and that kind of thing. So that's the stuff I really would like to come up with, uh, you know, that, that, that would be a neat way to do it. Maybe I'll do 40 years later or start in the, you know, early eighties or something, but. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a little bit about, you know, favorite um, shows and stories. Um, let's talk a little bit about albums and songs that have been a lot to you. Sure. Um, any stories behind favorite CDs or, you know, albums or songs? Um, yeah, you know, it, it's changed over the years, obviously, as I've gotten more into him. Um, and like I said, I'm the type of listener who kind of will, you know, maybe not gravitate to something quickly and then later on realize I, I kind of missed the boat on it. Um, if, if I have a top two or the two that are constantly battling, um, it's The Promised Land and Backstreets. Um, Backstreets, if you had asked me, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, um, I don't know if that would have been as high, but over the years, that one has just, I mean, if, if I'm, you know, screaming my head off in the car to a song like an idiot, it's usually the promised land or backstreet. So okay. um, those two, two for sure, the promised land, I, I find uh, endlessly relatable, I think more so than, you know, Thunder Road or Born to Run or some of the ones that people would put up as, uh, you know, his, his best songwriting in terms of, uh, you know, how it relates to people and lives and, uh, you know, the day to day and, and whatnot. Um, Badlands and Darkness on the Edge of Town have some of my favorite, you know, verses or, or lyrics or, or whatever, but um, as, a, as a whole, in terms of even the music sort of, uh, you know, kind of cascading and crescendoing and, and all that, Clarence's sax solos and, and Bruce's harmonica and everything, I think the promise line kind of is the, um, you know, sort of all of that in, in one song. So, um, I think it's it's the best of that that batch. Um, Darkness on the Edge of Town would be my favorite album if not for the fact that I I don't particularly love the way it sounds. So that that batch of songs are my favorite, but I listen to them from you know live you know seventy five eighty five or or on other things. So it's it's a little hard or, or tricky to pick a favorite album. Um, you know, Darkness, like I said, is probably the best batch of songs. Uh, probably close with Born to Run, and they're kind of in a dead heat. But when you take that stuff and put it in a live context, I think Darkness is, is far and away my, uh, my favorite batch of songs uh, you know, in terms of songwriting and uh, how, how those come out live. So, um, and, you know, I, I really love Magic. Um, I, think, I think people are kind of coming around on it, you know, more. I hear it cited a lot more, but I, from the jump, Magic is a, is a front to back listen for me. I, I, rarely skip anything a lot of people ironically the song i like least on there is your own worst enemy and a lot of people love that one more than some of the other ones i would mention so i don't know it just goes to show that it, yeah. it's, it's purely a sonic thing i just it's a little too uh chimey and, and chintzy but um regardless it's a minor quibble i mean that whole album is just it, it smokes you know, top it really is something special i agree yeah. i definitely agree um you mentioned a couple of things uh like kitty's back um yeah. what are other songs that you're chasing ron um, you know, I, chasing is a, a funny word. There's, there's some where people are like, uh, you know, well, I've never heard 
incident and you know i'm gonna you know die if i don't hear incident. But i i would love to hear incident as much as the next guy i've never gotten it um you know so i i i can sympathize with that but it's not like a, a thing where um you know every concert i go to i'm hoping he right plays it i think what i'm mostly interested in or, or would love to see more is some of the track stuff and the outtakes and the things that we haven't seen as much because as much as you know it, it makes a difference to actually witness it live and, and be there in person and uh, you know see something like incident yeah i've seen it a lot on you know uh, videos and, and dvds and, and whatever else so right um, i'd much rather have him play you know some things that he just hasn't played as much and that's why i love that devils and dust tour i mean when he came to milwaukee i got frankie and uh, my father's house and state trooper and um you know he played a large swath of nebraska and greetings so um you know that that's another reason why a tour like that would be really great to have because he really dove into tracks and uh and nebraska and some of the stuff that he doesn't really touch with the e street band and um that's you know that's the kind of stuff i, I would like to see more of um you know uh, the entirety of it's kind of cliche now but the entirety of tracks two and even three um i, I think any of those songs would be great and I've, I've been fortunate enough to get none but the brave and um uh, take them as they come and, and stuff like that but uh yeah i would i would much rather get a bunch of that than uh, you know some stuff that i can easily just sort of pull up at my fingertips you know so. <clears throat> all right very nice um is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't, Ron? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we could go down our favorite, uh, you know, most underrated songs. We could go down uh, yeah. who you'd want to talk to from the <laughs> yeah. the band or whatever. I don't know. There's there's all kinds of stuff I could spend all day talking about, about Bruce with. So it it <laughs> truly is. Um, I I would I would go Susie. I, oh, I think to? yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think welcome. I heard you say that on an episode yeah. recently. Yeah, I would welcome any E Street band member, and sure. and obviously there's an open you know mic waiting for them, right. and would love to have Bruce. But I just think it would be fun to have Susie on. Uh, yeah, she think, seems to has a fresh perspective. Well, not only that, but I think if you talk to somebody who's maybe not as uh, I don't know famous is the word, but you know yeah. uh, you might get a little more candor and not just the same. So I, I have this issue lately where you know I'm always happy when it's like Bruce is going to be on Kimmel or Bruce is going to be on uh, Fallon or whatever. It's, you know, he, he kind of gives the same, uh, you know, anecdotes and uh, sort of sure. answers that, that he always does. And it's just, you know, it's never a very revealing interview at this point. Um, and it's the same with, uh, you know, little Steven and Max is a little more outspoken, you know, when people, he was doing this thing during the pandemic where, you know, people were sending him questions and he was, you know, answering them and you got some good info out of that. And I know there's some little tidbits out of Bruce's book and Steven's book that have been, um, you know, interesting or maybe fans didn't know about, but it, it really isn't, you know, anything like earth shattering. And I'm not talking gossip. I don't want to hear, you know, yeah. about the sexual exploits of the band or whatever, but um, I would like to hear from, you know, somebody who's maybe a little more of an outsider, you know, what that band dynamic is like. And Bruce has kind of hinted, they're not really all that close. You know, he, he kind of talks out of both ends, you know, he says about how they're like his, his inspiration and his best friends and everything. But then at the same time, like they don't really hang out that much or talk that much. Yeah. Really um, there is that dynamic, right? Like you wonder yeah. what the, cause you know, when I had Marine, uh, I was lucky enough to get Marine Van Zant on the yeah. podcast a couple of times and yeah, she shared the story like, yeah, I don't go on the tour because it's kind of boring for me. Right. Yeah. And so uh, even though I'm a fan, um, so she, you know, likes, loves the shopping and the restaurants and you wonder, <laughs> you know, um, people say that's Patty too. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, that's maybe she goes so. to 
Jerome yeah. and uh, Paris, but it doesn't show up in uh, Milwaukee. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, you know, there was that point for a while that, uh, especially when the kids were younger, you know, she was off doing mom duty. So, that's right. Good. And, and yeah. that makes total sense. And even now with Jessica doing her stuff and, and whatever, yeah. like, I, I totally get that. I'm not a, a Patty basher or, uh, you know, think she's, yeah. you know, whatever. But, um, but there's, you know, even just like I, I kind of was thinking about this the other day, it'd be cool to talk to like, the lighting guy or the uh, yes. soundboard guy and like do those guys um get caught up in the show are, are they grateful like are they fans or do they think it's awesome they get to see every springsteen show do they have favorite songs do they ever miss a cue because they're wrapped up in the performance i mean those are the kind of people i would you know be really interested to sort of hear from and i don't know what their uh you know claws might be like they probably aren't even allowed to talk to people yeah. um, but it seems like for whatever reason Bruce has this kind of uh, secretiveness about the way that yeah. things play out. And I'm really not sure why. It's not exactly like, you know, you know I can see in the Born in the USA era, but right now, other than us diehard fans. We've yeah, exactly. It, it, it would be interesting, the mechanics like with Kevin, all right, yeah. like how, you know, how do you know what key, do you, what keys the guitar should be in and how it tuned and, and like, you know, does yeah. he like how can you tell which guitar he's going to need and, and these other things right. so there is that behind yeah, the scenes he's got to be quick i mean even if you know it like i understand they've been together for a long time and i also yeah. understand that kevin is a probably a great guitarist in his own right i would think you'd have to be in yeah. order to have that job um but yeah just to be so on point like that and not grab the wrong one i know there, there are a couple funny videos where you know he's gotten the, the wrong one a couple times but uh you know yeah. overall that's a that's like two or three times and, uh, you know, over hundreds and hundreds of shows, thousands. So yeah, exactly. Um, those are the people I'd kind of like to hear from, but uh, I know, agree. Very good. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, Ron, let's move to the Mary question. Okay. Uh, so uh, let's say um, if you're a friend of Ron's and you're listening to this podcast first, thanks for listening. Uh, I truly appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you check some other episodes. Uh, but uh, the Mary question is what I end every podcast with. <clears throat> uh, Jay Armstrong, who's the honors English teacher from the Philadelphia area, just recently retired. Uh, Jay has a new book coming out that I'm going to have him on the show to, to promote shortly. Um, but anyway, um, he would spend two days with his honors English class, the seniors, and they would break apart Thunder Road as a poem. They would look at all the lyrics, talk about the imagery Bruce uses, talk about the themes of the song. And at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? So, Ron, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? All right. Before I answer this, let me uh, just one more little tangent. Um, yeah, <laughs> you mentioned please. the uh, using Thunder Road as a uh, honors thesis. I it, it wasn't an honors thesis, but in um, I don't know, sort of my last year of college, um, I was in a, in a music class. I think it was music, and um, we we had to break down a song, um, and you had to kind of it had to be a song with a lot of moving moving parts because you wanted to have something interesting talking about like. Uh, Timbrae and all this, this other stuff and, and all the terms and I forget what they even all are right now because I'm not a great musician but um, I chose Thunder Road and I wrote this whole paper on it and you need to get up there and play it and um, uh, I did really well on it and um, but everybody in the class at the time was playing stuff by like uh, you know I, I don't even know who was popular back then probably Rihanna and stuff like that so I was definitely the, yeah. the odd man out I was the older guy in the in the class and um, playing the older music so 
anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. But I, I have oh, done very a nice. dive into Thunder Road just be, because of that and, and what the lyrics mean and, and how they relate to the music and uh, all that and how the music kind of helps tell the story of the lyrics. And um, Very nice then. Yeah, I probably plagiarized a lot of those lines from his Storytellers episode because he kind of laid it all out for me there. Nothing too, so wrong with that, yeah. I had a nice uh, blueprint working for me right there. Uh, but anyway, I think Mary gets in the car and then I think uh, the stuff on, on darkness is what happens after she gets in the car. Okay. So um, I think that's an answer that's been given before. Uh, but but I think that's pretty spot on. I think that, you know, Born to Run's a more hopeful album overall. And uh, I think everybody other than maybe the uh, guy at the end of the meeting across the river um, gets what they're, uh, you know, kind of hoping for, um, or at least sets out on that path. I, I, I don't know where they all end up and, and Bruce leaves it open-ended, even in, you know, Born to Run, or, uh, yeah, that talks about, well, someday we'll walk in the sun, you know? Um, yeah. And you don't know if they do, but if darkness is the, <laughs> the answer to that, uh, I guess they don't. So uh, I think Mary gets in the car and then, um, you know, maybe those two live happily ever after. Maybe it's other people on, on darkness who don't, uh, you know, on the river. Um, but, uh, you know, some, somebody, whether it's Marion and the guy in the car or, or somebody else, that he shows the other side of that on, on darkness. And I think that's what makes darkness such a compelling album. So. Very good answer. Very nice. Uh, so uh, this has been great, Ron. I really appreciate it. Would yeah, welcome you back anytime. Uh, if, you talk about a bunch yeah. of weird Bruce stuff. I'm happy to, <laughs> to do but, it. <laughs> Come up with lists to, you know, all yeah. day long. So if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Um, you know, just, just on Twitter, I'm at rdavid on the wire, um, which is a, a Thunder Road, or not Thunder Road, a Born to Run reference out on the wire. Yeah. But um, I had a, for a little while, I had a, a website and we're talking 15 years ago um, where I was doing movie reviews and stuff and kind of letting other people come on. And that was called outonthewire.com. So that's where that's okay. Website's defunct. Don't, don't bother trying to go there. Uh, okay. Time to, to keep up with it. But the Twitter handle remains. So that's, uh, that's where I am. But, but yeah, you'll just see me making snide comments about movies and music probably. Nothing so. wrong with that at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, very good. Uh, Ron, this was great. I appreciate your yeah, time. Thank you so much. This yeah. was so much fun. Uh, good luck with the four children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, dad and uh, mom, our hands are full, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm trying. We got a Halloween thing this afternoon and all kinds of other stuff. So, you know, but it's, yeah. good. it's all good. Very <laughs> nice. All right, listeners, you go stay safe. Go get vaccinated. Uh, remember to social distance. Let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to do this. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation. And I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at SetLustingBruce, and my personal Twitter is at DFW. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. 
We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, that listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.